And there are actually two Bible readings today, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. So the first one will be in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. So that's about halfway through the Bible. And then the second one, if you want to start to look for it, is in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. So that's almost right at the end of the Bible. So we have Proverbs 3, 1 to 16, and 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 1 to 11 as well today. But let's start with Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 16. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them round your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honour. And we're just going to flip forward to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. So it's right, almost just before the letters of John and then Revelation. So, Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, And to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. 
For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Well, it's a little bit dated now, but uh, you might have seen what is now considered to be the world's most shared viral public safety uh, announcement. It was called Dumb Ways to Die. Does anyone remember Dumb Ways to Die? I'm getting a few nods. Yeah, it was, it was, catchy, it was a catchy tune. It was this cute little animation. And uh, one of the verses go, Dumb Ways to Die, so many dumb ways to die. Uh, get your toast out with a fork. Do your own electrical work. Teach yourself to fly. Eat a two-week-old unrefrigerated pie. And, and it goes on. And uh, uh, these little beanie things do this little dance uh, uh, through it all. But it was a, actually a public safety announcement from Melbourne Metro Rail. Because uh, the last verse goes, Stand on the edge of a train station platform. Drive around boom gates at a level crossing. Run across the tracks between the platforms. They may not rhyme, but they might possibly be the dumbest ways to die. Um, was very popular at the time. I remember sort of humming to the tune uh, years back when it was out. But, you know, public announcements like that, they're there to sort of shape behaviour, sort of influence decisions that we make. But you don't need an online campaign to talk about good choices, do you? Uh, we actually sort of talk that way in relationship with each other, don't we? In fact, it's the stuff of parenting half the time, isn't it? Uh, sometimes us parents will say, uh, just because your friends do that doesn't mean you have to follow as well. Um, we're always really giving safety messages. It's about common sense. It's about good choices. It's about wanting to impart a bit of wisdom to others. Now, wisdom is actually a really important part of what the Bible has to say about what it means to live the Christian life. Uh, we're doing this series, Guidance in the Voice of God, uh, living according to God's will, well, you know, living out God's plan for us. Uh, now, this is what we've covered so far. If you're here today for the first time, you're sort of coming sort of midway through or towards the end of things. But we've covered God who guides us, walking in the will of God, how God guides us. And I invite you to go back and check out uh, what you've missed out um, online and have a listen. But today is the way of wisdom. Today, I want us to discover that being a follower of Jesus is about living wisely. Uh, to be wise in life is part and parcel of the Christian life. It's part and parcel of understanding God's guidance. Now, each week we've done a bit of a, well, a sort of a rewind moment, and I'll do that again. See, we've seen that God guides his people. God is guiding us always in the tiniest details of life towards making us more like Jesus. That's his plan, and he will not fail. Now, how does God guide us? Well, it's pretty wonderful. Uh, God gave us 
His Son, Jesus. God speaks to us by His Holy Spirit through the Scriptures, the Bible. It's His living Word. Um, Now, here's two passages from the Bible that sort of brings out, I think, a common theme. And one of them we looked at briefly last week. But there's this one from 2 Timothy where it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, the Bible is not lacking. Or check out this passage. It's from actually the the longer passage to Peter that uh, Chris read before. But one of the verses goes, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Now, I don't know if you can sort of pick up a theme going uh, across both those passages. But in, in the Word, God hasn't left anything out that we need to live. But I guess sometimes we can still feel like there's a gap. There's this blank space between what God specifically tells us to do and the practical day-to-day decisions that make up our lives. I think we can sometimes think the Bible is sort of like, you know, one of those fantail rappers. You know, fantail rappers have those guess who questions but half the time you notice they're chopped off you actually you can't sort of read the rest you've got to fill in the blank you can be a little bit disappointed about that so we might think the bible is blank when it comes to you know those questions of who should i marry Uh, do i take up this course should i change my phone plan should we take this holiday so here's this place for wisdom let's talk about wisdom Uh, wisdom uh, what, what to talk about wi- what wisdom is and what wisdom is not. Firstly, wisdom is God-centered. Now, I reckon we all know the difference between intellect and wisdom. Do you know anyone who's really highly, highly intelligent, but you're not sure about how wise they are? Because wisdom is not facts and numbers and knowing stuff. Wisdom is about people and situations and managing life well. And in the Bible, we see wisdom is even more than that. True wisdom, it's a moral thing. It's a spiritual thing. Like we read before in the Old Testament book of wisdom, Proverbs, where it said this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, Uh, In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Wisdom, true wisdom, to live life comes from fearing the Lord. And in the New Testament, we're told told that Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. So to fear the Lord is to know Christ and to live under his lordship. That's the wise life. True wisdom, it's a moral thing. It's a spiritual thing. But then flying from that, it has practical implications. If you know Proverbs, you know it's very practical. It it will say, don't be a slacker. Don't stay in bed. If you want to make a, way, make a way in life, work hard. It doesn't talk about the precise job you should choose, but sure does say get a job. Stuff like that. 
And you read Proverbs and you discover wisdom from God is moral too. To be wise is to do things like to trust not in your riches, to pursue justice, to give an honest answer. And we're told that true wisdom from the Lord, and we read it in the passage just before, true wisdom from the Lord is precious. It's better than gold. To get true wisdom is actually better than anything else. See, if today or tomorrow someone came up to you and they offered this, they said, I'm going to pay off your mortgage. I'm going to give you a special card so that every time you go for groceries, I'm going to pay it for you. I'm going to pay for every overseas holiday you ever want. I'm going to give that to you or I will make you wise. What would you say? All those wonderful things or living wisely. Now for the person who fears the Lord, well in a heartbeat we should say we choose wisdom. We choose wisdom to live rightly under the Lordship of Jesus. So I want to say some more things about wisdom. Because it's precious where to pursue wisdom. To live wisely is to want to be wise. I want to talk about gaining wisdom through God's Word, back to that, the Bible, and prayer. Now, now the Bible is not like a how-to channel that you might go to to get things done. You know, you want to know, you know, who you should date. You're not going to find that section in the Bible. Uh, You want to know uh, what career path should I take. You're not going to find that in the Bible. Now, the Bible doesn't work like that because it's not about our to-do list. It's God's to-do list. What does God want to do? We've covered this. He wants to make you holy. That you would meet Christ and come to faith in Jesus and trust in him and follow and grow and be sanctified and be more like Jesus. And God certainly wants to deeply change us in this ongoing way. Uh, There's a great passage in the Bible about how God wants to change us deeply. This is from Romans where it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So in view of God's mercy, in view of what Jesus has done, in view of God's mercy, we're to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed by God's word, that God's will would actually sink into us. Uh, Maybe by now you're sick of me talking about Bible reading plans for the year. I get it. I'm sort of pumping that up, aren't I? Uh, Having a daily Bible reading plan. It's not so that we could tick boxes. It's that over time, transformation would happen. And, And this transformation is like developing a new spiritual taste for the things of God. See, when, when I got married, I had this finely tuned taste for what makes for good porridge. I know some people don't like porridge, but I'm a fan, okay? And I tell you, there are grades of porridge. In fact, my mum would add extra ingredients and that made the best porridge. After we were married, Kirsty would make porridge and I could tell it wasn't quite right. We needed marriage counselling over my finely tuned taste in porridge. Now, that's like what God's Word does in us. 
as we take it in, as we get regular with it, really take it in and the Spirit implants it in our heart, in our mind, we start to change. Our tastes start to change. We sort of more and more value what God values. We want what God wants. In fact, I've known plenty of people, Christians, whose tastes have changed over things they previously valued. Just good things. They're good things, but their tastes change. Things like gaming, drinking, surfing, hiking, foodie, restaurant, obsession, attendance. Bunch of things. Because they've sort of thought through wisely. You know, what does it mean to be active, involved in Christian community? How I best love others? How I best serve sacrificially? That's the Bible. That's what God's Word can do in us. To be uh, not conformed, but be transformed. There's also prayer. In prayer, we should, well, we should ask for wisdom. When you pray for wisdom, God can bring to mind actually what His Word says to you. But say you've been offered a job, you know, should you take it? Well, in praying for wisdom, there's no promise God will, you know, write the answer in the sky, should I take this job? But you can pray for wisdom. You can pray for the right, you know, the right motive in taking this job. You could pray against greed in your heart. You could pray that you'd be an honest, hard worker. You could pray that you'd be a faithful, uh, good friend and witness to your workmates. Do you have to pray before every decision? No. You know, someone asks you over for dinner next Wednesday, you don't have to pray before you say yes or no. A friend asks you, do you want to go on a holiday with us? You don't have to pray before you say yes or no. It doesn't have to be this wooden, I have to pray before I give my answer. But being in the Word and asking for God's wisdom, God shapes us and hones us. So that we more and more make God-honoring decisions. I'm going to move in a sec to what wisdom is not. But other things, wisdom is to seek God's counsel. Um, actually, that says, it says it in the book of Proverbs. That you get wisdom as you seek wisdom from others. A proverb says, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Now, if the Bible tells us to do something, we should do it. But for other life decisions, we're often helped by talking it out. Have you noticed that, in fact? You're often helped as you talk it out with others. I'll give you an example from my own life. There was a time when Kirsty and I were going out, boyfriend, girlfriend, and I broke up with Kirsty. Very emotional time. And I had a conversation with my pastor. And I talked out why. I said, you know, I'm not sure how compatible we are. I'm into this and she's into that. Talked about interests, hobbies. I'm into this. I, she's into that. I won't go into all the detail of what he said. But he knew me. He knew Kirsty. We were about 23 at the time. Knew that we were committed Christians. And basically his summary to me was, you knucklehead. Just think about this again, will you? It was actually pretty wise in the end. Now, please don't hear me say that breaking up is bad, because that actually can be very wise. Wise is about making the right decision in the right situation, but talking to others, Bible-believing Christians, can be really helpful. You know, relationships, any big decision can be helped by talking to others. Generally speaking, I make better decisions when I talk to my wife. All of us, we often make better decisions when we talk to our spouses or church leaders or friends. 
or other mature Christians. We're talking about how to live our lives as followers of Christ. Look, we've been given Jesus Christ, his son. We've, we've got the Holy Spirit. We've got the scriptures. And there is wisdom. There is God-centered wisdom where he transforms our thinking through taking in God's word and prayer and also seeking counsel from others. Now, that's some things about what wisdom is. I just now quickly want to cover what wisdom is not. Here's a few things about what wisdom is not. Now, firstly, wisdom is not putting out a fleece. Now, I've just thrown out a very weird term, okay? Uh, putting out a fleece. Some of you will be familiar with this. Others will think, what, what is this? Well, this is Christianese jargon, okay? But it comes from uh, a book of Judges, the book of Judges, Judges chapter 6, uh, where the story is God chooses, uh, chooses Gideon to be the deliverer of Israel to rescue them from the, the, the enemies of God's people. But God isn't really sure that God's going to keep his word and be with him as he goes into battle. So, God, so Gideon says to God, just so I can be really sure, have some proof that you're really on my side, overnight I'm going to throw out this woolen fleece. And if by morning it has dew on it and the rest of the ground is dry, then I know what you've said is true. And amazingly, God does that. God sort of says, yeah, okay, and, and, and he does that. Then the following day, Gideon says, well, I'm still not really sure. So actually, I'm going to flow out the woolen fleece. And God, would you this time make this fleece dry while all the ground has dew around it? And amazingly, again, God does it. It's a pretty quirky, interesting story. And so ever since then, people have taken it as well as a way of discerning God's will. Basically, lay down a challenge to God. Ask God for a sign, uh, give you proof for the way you should go. And you can read about it where people talk about a prayer fleece. But look, the way God acted was not about faith. You read the story, it's actually about his cowardice. It's, it's actually not even given as an example for us to follow. Later on, Jesus will say, do not put the Lord our God to the test. Now, just the other day, someone told me about their friend who put out a fleece. Uh, the situation was they were thinking about going to Bible college and it costed a bit, bit of money to go to Bible college. Um, and they needed to raise some money to be able to afford that. And they came up with a prayer and the prayer was, God, if I can sell my horse, if I can sell my horse for a certain price, if I can get that money from selling this horse, then God, I know that it's your will to go to Bible college. Now, we're not supposed to put God to the test, but in that example, I reckon that's just twisting around actually what it means to be wise. Because to go to Bible college can only happen if you have certain money. It just sounds wisdom to me. You know, you don't actually need to put out a fleece to sort of put God to the test. Here's something else. Wisdom is not misusing open doors and shut doors. Now, again, we're into Christianese language here uh, that sometimes Christians use. You know, God was opening a door for me. Um, you know, something you were thinking of doing and then the circumstances changed. So God was closing a door to me. Now, it's okay to think this way and say that God is sovereign. He's opening doors, closing doors, all the time, in all sorts of ways we don't even notice. 
And if we notice that God is opening a door to do a good thing we want to do, well, we should give thanks for that. Uh, Just say there's an opportunity to, I don't know, make friends with a neighbor. God is opening a door. Give thanks for that. But it's a misuse of this open doors, closed door way of thinking. And it's certainly not wise that if we make open, shut doors as the full answer for God's guidance. Say you're sitting on the couch all day long, you're playing Switch, you're watching YouTube, you're not putting in your resumes, you don't get a job and you say, God is not opening doors. Well, I reckon you could just label that as laziness. Or you have a really hard phone call to make. Just say you need to call your sister, really hard conversation you need to have. You've been avoiding it though, and just as you're about to do it, your phone charge runs out. So you decide to send an email instead. Well, the fact that you now can't use your phone before you, you know, you can't use your phone now, well, you say God is closing a door. Well, it might just be your avoidance of doing hard things. The problem with always naming things is God opening doors and shutting doors. It could be we're just changing it to whatever we want to do. But what about a door when a door is shut and we should just put our shoulder into it and Barge it open. You know, there's a godly characteristic called perseverance. There's self-sacrifice for others. We shouldn't measure God's guidance on the basis of ease versus difficulty. What is God's will for us? That will be conformed to the image of Jesus. Our sanctification is the word. Though often we want comfort, God wants for us holiness. Now, here's one more thing on this. Wisdom is not over-spiritualizing. See, as Christians, we have a very personal relationship with Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to God's guidance, we have a desire to express that personal relationship with God with a, I guess, with a type of language. Now, the other day, I got a message from someone I know. He was telling uh, me they were taking up a new ministry position in a church, and they said something like, I sense God is leading me in this direction. And that's fine. But for another Christian, and I guess this is me, I tend to not ascribe certain feelings over others as if that's my way of discerning God's guidance. I don't get a vibration. I don't get a a special word from God. For me, rather than saying, I sense God is leading me, I'm content to say there's a good opportunity here or we've weighed things up and it seems right to go in this direction. My point is we don't have to bolster our decisions with extra spiritual language. Now in Christ we have the Spirit, we have the Scriptures applying His wisdom. That is the Holy Spirit-led life. Uh, Someone the other day, as part of this series, they sent me an article about how mathematicians have worked out um, how we should make decisions in life. And it's something called the optimal stopping problem. And it goes like this, the optimal stopping problem. If you say, if you're needing to rent a house and there's a hundred houses available to check out, well, how many of them should you go through before you make a decision? Um, Do you exhaust yourself? Do all 100? 
Because the problem is, you know, always worried, you know, is the next option better? It might be cheaper, it might be better. Uh, you don't want to miss out. So you're always sort of expanding your research and you never make a decision. Well, apparently the mathematicians have worked out the optimal stopping problem. It's after looking at 37 houses, you should make a decision. 37%, okay, is the secret probability number for making a decision. And the article makes the joke about dating. How many, drog, how many frogs must you kiss to secure that prince? Apparently 37%. Now, why am I saying all that? What I've just said about wisdom, I don't know, does it make you think it's just sort of maybe what I've said about wisdom, does it seem more mathematical than spiritual? You know, this wisdom language I've used, does it seem dry and clinical? Is, God, is For you, God's guidance is reduced to, you know, what you can set out in an Excel spreadsheet, you know, being wise. But it's not. Wisdom ultimately is about fearing the Lord, our relationship with Christ, Him transforming our mind through His Word, seeking wisdom in prayer, even going to counsel from others. Wisdom is pursuing Christ in this life. Because indeed, our sanctification being conformed to Jesus, is God's will for us. I'll wrap it up now by making one last point. Wisdom is the life of freedom in Christ. Uh, someone here sent me a message, another message as part of this teaching series. It's been really good to get conversation going. I guess it's that type of series. But they made a good point about God's guidance. You know, if you think about uh, the Garden of Eden, you know, there was God... Adam and Eve, uh, this was before sin had invaded and infected the world. And God, with all authority, spoke to them. And his word was, don't eat from that one tree, but from the rest of the garden, it's yours. Basically, go out, enjoy. Knock yourself out. There's so much to enjoy. Just do it. See, God gave them this clear word. And it wasn't a trick. There was no extra messages. There was no extra clues they had to decipher. God spoke to them. Uh, clearly, he was to be obeyed. But then so much freedom. Enjoy all the trees, all the garden, all the fruit available to you. So think of this in a similar way. God has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. He's the word from God. And Jesus continues to speak to us by his Holy Spirit in the scriptures. It's clear. It's authoritative. It's enough. It's to be obeyed. But in all the rest of life that the Bible doesn't directly speak on, there's so much freedom. So we don't have to have sort of extra expectation now that he'll give us more messages. Where to enjoy the freedom we have in Christ, in life's decisions, where to apply to apply wisdom. Wisdom that flows from knowing Christ that wisdom we can apply as we, our greatest desire is to please the Lord. And it's freedom. It really is freedom because we know that God is in control. And in Christ, he's always working for our good. Let's pray. Now, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that you've, uh, you've given all that we need for life and godliness. We thank you that your, um, that your scriptures are 
completely sufficient for life, for training, for uh, correction, for rebuke. What you've given us in your word is just wonderful and it's enough. And again, we thank you for Jesus, uh, your son, our saviour, and the gift of your spirit who guides us. And Father, pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would enjoy this freedom we have, that indeed that we might pursue wisdom, a wisdom that only you can provide, a wisdom that comes from having you at the centre of our life uh, and that we would desire to be conformed more to the image of Jesus. Please uh, guide us in the decisions we make. Uh, Father, may we apply wisdom uh, in all those decisions that come our way. Uh, Some decisions are pretty small, but some decisions loom large in our life and our thinking, Uh, particularly in those moments. Indeed, um, supply supply us with the wisdom we need. And we thank you that uh, you are committed to our good, that your promise is to make us more like your son, Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.